Hello and welcome to the Sports Out Podcast. It is Friday, January 12th. Two weeks into the 2018 year here, and I'm already looking forward to 2019. <laughs> Jeff, how you doing today? I'm great. Welcome back, guys. How you doing, Andrew? Uh, I'm kind of sad. Why? Because I made a bet last night. Ooh. And it was Portland plus 30 against Gonzaga. Uh, no, there was no way in hell Portland was going to win this game. But I'm like, they can cover 30 points, right? That's that's a reasonable thing to ask them to do, not lose by 30. They, they lost by 33. They lost, or I'm probably doing my math wrong. They lost 100 to 67. Wow. That's 33, right? That is 33. Okay, good. Your math's on point today. All right, yeah. All right, there we go. Pro- producer confirming my math. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, we got a good-looking show for you guys today. Um, we're going to start today off with some WTF Friday. We got a lot of fun stuff this week. <laughs> um, we're going to preview the NFC Divisional Games, have some fun there. And then finally, we've got some, got some more questions this week. All right? Let's do it. Let's go. Three scruples to a drown, boys. Eight drums to an ounce. Two cups to get you a pint now. And the first one's on the house. The drunkard craves just another. The blind man blames the eye. Poor man dreams of riches and a martyr. All right, Jeff. Yes, sir. What the hell? What WTF? What's going on, man? Uh, you know, like you said, there's a lot of stupid, weird things that have happened this week. But how about this? Uh, so an article article came out earlier this week. I'm not sure. What, oh, January 9th. So Tuesday, I think. Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, Tuesday. And it's from the nationalreview.com. Never heard of them before this. I found this. But it says, schools attempt to ban kids from having best friends because it's not inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I mean, come on. What? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I I I don't even I don't even know know how you police that. Yeah, I like don't what do you either. like what do you do like say, like like break up kids from talking for more than two minutes? Yeah, the uh, the principal comes out <laughs> in the first like uh, school assembly. Kids, you are not allowed to have best friends, or or you'll get written That's up for something. So... Like yeah, like what's the penalty for <laughs> having exactly. a best friend? <laughs> and plus, yeah, and plus, how do you know if somebody's best friend? Like if you just see two kids talking in the hallway, like oh my god, they're best friends. We got to write them up or you, something. You, you like... get a, you get a new seat every day in every class, so 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 you don't sit next to the same person twice. Well, well, well what if every kid in that class is your best friend? Oh, oh. What if I'm best friends with everybody? Exactly. Be inclusive. Oh. Very. Oh, that's all. So I guess I have to be homeschooled. <laughs> so what if I have no friends? Then not, I'm not being inclus- inclusive with anybody. Well, then you should just so then, get, like, be should I get, like Should I get, like, expelled then? Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> what was yours? Uh, mine's under the sports theme today, but it's not a good thing in my opinion at all. Lonzo Ball has more all-star votes right now than Devin Booker and Jimmy Butler. And just to... Put some statistics down. I mean, Lonzo has been playing pretty good the last few games. But on the season, he's averaging 10 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Not bad. But Devin Booker, 24.9 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. And Jimmy Butler, 21.6 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Plus, he dominates that team defensively. So, Lonzo should not have more votes than them. <laughs> this is just kind of proving the, the thousand the point that is made every single year in every single major sport that has fan voting for All-Star games. Fans are stupid. They yep. will not vote for the correct person. It's like uh, John Scott in the All-Star game. No, that was, was great. I, I mean, that. it was great. I but... love that. All right, <laughs> that, great, that was that was fun to watch. Like like it, it, like John Scott isn't Lonzo Ball who has an obnoxious dad and does not deserve to be in the All-Star game. Like John Scott was just was a fun story. Where he like didn't he retire the year after too? Yeah. Yeah. See, like that was that was fun. Like and like it's a hockey, so it's not annoying. Mm-hmm. But 
like like I hate like the MLB All Star game a few years ago. Like the the MLB literally had to take votes away from the region of where Kansas City is because all nine of the Kansas City Royals were in the starting lineup <laughs> for the AL. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So yeah, um, Devin Booker should definitely be in the All Star game. Jimmy Butler should definitely be in the All Star game. Yep. Um, I think Kawhi Leonard was up there too. Oh yeah, in the in the West and like he's after eight games. Yeah, he's played like nothing this year and. Yeah. Uh, Isaiah Thomas had a ton of votes, and he he's played three games this year, and one of them he went zero for ten from the field. That's crazy. So yeah, it's just um, it's an absolute joke. I mean, as if, as if we needed another thing for the Ball family to piss us off this week. <laughs> Andrew, what do you got? Oh boy, um, mine was yesterday. Um, President Trump made a comment on uh, I, I I don't know where it came out of. I think it was a report from the White House where like uh his advisors were kind of talk, giving him suggestions about how to deal with immigration from third world countries. And he called Haiti a shithole basically. Um, and then, which is, you know, obviously not a great way to describe a, another country. I mean, yeah. it is a third world country. It's got a lot of problems and that's, he was probably a poor choice of words. And then CNN decided to put the, that word in their like breaking news ticker. <laughs> <laughs> and then they proceeded to have a panel of five people like talk about how much, um, like, talk about how he's corrupting children by saying stuff like that while the word was in the ticker on national television. <laughs> so, CNN didn't really think that one through. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how many how much weird stuff could happen in just a week. Um, and then I had a sports one, too. Yeah. Um, the, a report came out from Bleacher Report that's put this out there. In a pre-draft meeting when Phil Jackson was still... He was president of the Knicks, right? Yeah. He, uh, he made Lori Markkinen eat raw meat... In a pre-draft meeting, Markin still doesn't know like what the meat was. He said it was either raw fish or raw steak. Um, and then he tried getting Dennis Smith Jr. to eat octopus too. So um, I think we can just chalk these up to the Phil Phil Jackson is senile <laughs> and probably needs to have like round the clock care. Oh yeah, for sure. Like what? What the hell? Like, <laughs> what, what, like what? What information does this give you? <laughs> hey, I bet I can do get him to do this. Yeah, right. I don't know. It's crazy. So yeah, I had a, I had a couple. I, I, I'm gonna try to do that from now on. Do like one like all world WTF and one like sports WTF. Mm-hmm. Just kind of get the round here. There, yeah. I usually do sports, but the school one was just so hilarious and yeah. stupid. I mean, well, you actually learned what else happened this week too. K- Kanye uh, West apparently emailed Kim Kardashian. He emailed her. He didn't text her. He didn't call her. He sent her an email telling her to not wear big sunglasses because little sunglasses are the move. He emailed her. Hey, emailing is the hot thing to do. Can you, I can, can you imagine Kanye just like like sitting at like a desk with a computer in front of him being like, you know he what? probably didn't even type that email. He probably like had somebody do it for him. Yeah, yeah. He, he's sitting at a desk. That he's got true. somebody to his left. And he's like, you know what? Little sunglasses is the move. Tell Kim, and then he just emails her. <laughs> why already? Why always on the left? Why not on the right? All right. Well, yeah, maybe yeah. He, can, he can be on the right. You know what? In, when you do the scenario, he can be on the right and yours. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All right, guys. Oh, well, that was a lot of interesting, funny, weird stuff. Uh, every Friday we do this. Uh, when we come back, we will start our preview of the NFC divisional matchups. I don't need to read the papers or the tea leaves to understand. This world's been shaped by drunken mother's hand. All right, guys, welcome back. Now we're going to start our preview of the NFC Divisional matchups, starting with the Saturday game, uh, the Falcons at the in Philly facing the Eagles, uh, the bird game, as they have called it. 
That's Andrew, what do you got? Um, well, let's talk about quarterbacks. You got Nick Foles. You got it's basically Napoleon Dynamite versus Matt Matt Ryan here. Uh, Nick Foles played three games this year, and I think he had like ten attempts in um, the game against the Rams when Carson Wentz got hurt. Yep. Uh, in the games that he did play, he completed fifty six percent of his passes. He had five touchdowns, two interceptions. He only had like a thirty one point four QBR. I'm not sure if that means a whole lot. No, not really. And of course, compared to Matt Ryan, which I mentioned a lot uh, last week. 64%, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 64.8 QBR. Um, who are you giving the quarterback advantage to? Uh, Matt Ryan, because he's experienced in this kind of environment. And Nick Foles, I mean, Nick Foles kind of is too, but I mean, he hasn't played a playoff game in how long? I, I have no idea. Yeah, Has I mean, he even been in a playoff game? I thought he's been in one, but. For what team? The Rams? Maybe. What team? Yeah, he was on the Rams last. Oh, well, I thought he's been in one, but I could He be was wrong. on Jeff Fisher's Rams. Like, in. <laughs> in like. Could you? Oh man, Jeff Fisher had like three quarter, like three quarterbacks that were in the playoffs have played under Jeff Fisher: J- Jared Goff, Case Keenum, and Nick Foles. <laughs> That's insane. Well, then, Jeff Fisher, who yeah. the Bears were supposed to hire, and I really wanted them to hire, <laughs> and they did not. He started uh, for the Eagles when they lost to the Saints in the playoffs. When? In 2014. The Eagles were in the playoffs in 2014. I guess so. I who knew? I <laughs> think. Oh wow! Talk. WTF I didn't Friday. Even know that. <laughs> yeah, another WTF. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there. Matt Ryan uh, has obviously got the advantage here. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the running game, kind of a balanced attack on both sides. Uh, you've got Freeman and Coleman, obviously for the the uh, what do you call it? The Falcons. You know, Coleman's more the passing down back. Five to five rushing touchdowns this year, 628 yards. Freeman 865 and seven touchdowns. And then for the Eagles, you've got Blunt. Who, yep. who was their leading rusher this year at 766 yards, 4.4 averages, two touchdowns. You got Jay Ajayi, who they traded for at the trade deadline, 408 yards, 5.8 average, and one touchdown. Yep. And then the rookie, Corey Clement, 321 yards, 4.3 average, and four touchdowns. So who, who do you, you think has got the advantage here? The, the Eagles, who have like more more options, more things they can do, or, or the, uh, the Falcons? Uh, I'm going with the Falcons again, just because, again, they've been in this six- – in this situation before, they've had the playoff experience. I don't. I don't think a Jai's even played a playoff game before. Uh, no, last year he was on the Dolphins. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. But still, I just feel like Atlanta is just the much better team in this all around for the most part. Uh, I'm giving the Eagles the advantage here in the running game because uh, all, all three running backs have a typically a better average uh, yard per carry mm-hmm. uh, than the other other um, Falcons. Yep. Uh, they don't have as many rushing touchdowns as Freeman and Coleman. But it's because, it's like, Carson Wentz had just threw the ball so much. They were a pass-first offense. Both these teams are really pass-first. That's the thing. So I think I think a big part of this game is going to be, like, maybe who can run the ball. Yeah. So I'm going to give the advantage to the Eagles because, again, there's more stuff they can do. And it's just, like, they, they seem to have the better, just better running by uh, a pure numbers standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, passing. So both teams have two strong uh, receivers and it's a good tight end. Um, we'll look at the tight ends first. Uh, Zach Ertz, uh, 74 receptions this year for 824 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, would you think? Do you think that counts as a breakout season? I would put it as one because like I, I didn't really hear his name before this. Yeah, I, kn- I didn't know who he was before like week 12. <laughs> um, and then you've got Austin Hooper for the Falcons, eight 526 yards, three touchdowns. Not bad. Um, obviously, Ertz has the advantage here oh, in terms sure. of being a tight end. He, mm-hmm. He's obviously big. They're clearly their big uh, red zone threat. Although Austin Hooper did get 
a lot of red zone threats, and I think um, he's a big breakout candidate for next year, both in fantasy and the NFL. Yeah, I can see that. Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Jeffrey, the first-year receiver. Aguilar really did have a breakout season this year. Um, He was a first-round pick that was kind of disappointing, and then this year he had 62 catches for 768 yards and eight touchdowns, and a lot of those were, like, deep balls thrown. So, like, um, really showing that route-running ability and getting downfield and the speed. Yep. And then uh, Alshon Jeffrey, um, who's here on a one-year deal for the Eagles, probably going to come back. 57 catches, 789 yards, and nine touchdowns. Good year. And, of course, uh, Julio Jones, 1,400 yards, three touchdowns this year. Mohamed Sanu, 703 yards, five touchdowns. Yep. Who's got the advantage? I'm giving it to the Eagles just because I feel like they have a lot like better options, like with Jeffrey. And obviously, they could use Zach Ertz as well and some of their uh, backs that are good in the receiving game. So I'd just give it to them. Yeah, that's a big. That's a good point too with the Eagles because they have um they have another rookie that I forgot his name. It's um oh man, this is gonna bug me. Mac Hollins. He uh, they use him in the passing game a lot too. But I'm actually gonna give the advantage to the uh, to the Falcons. <laughs> I mean, that's just obviously you got Julio Jones, who, who's again is the a big key to this game for the Eagles. Like, can they shut him down? Because the Rams couldn't. Yeah, he he had a really big game against the Rams and uh, it really hurt them and. Mo Sanu um, benefits from Julio playing well because then he's open more. Austin Hooper gets the, the red zone target. So I'm, I'm going to give the advantage to the Falcons here just because just because uh, Ertz is obviously the most reliable option. Jeffrey has been inconsistent all year. Aguilar's, um, I, this was his breakout season, but he was still inconsistent. Again, like a lot of his touchdowns were the deep balls. So I'm, I'm giving the advantage uh, to the Falcons here. Nice. And then finally, uh, kicking. Uh, Jake Elliott, uh, the rookie kicker for the Eagles, 26 of 31 on his field goals, 83%. What was his it's long? okay. His long was 61. Wow. Compared to Bryant, who was 87% on his field goals and a long of 57. Hmm. So both kickers can bang it pretty hard. Um, although uh, the advantage I'm going to give to Elliott just because he's got the long. He's got the long. He is a rookie, though. That's the only thing. So that could come into play and it comes turn when the pressure sets on. But... That sixty-one yarder was a was to win it actually for the for the Eagles. So yeah, talk about pressure. Heck yeah, I'll pick the Eagles too. In, um, in the game though, I'm going with the Falcons. Yep, same. Yeah, uh, just because you know I don't trust Nick Foles to go out and win a playoff game. The Falcons are favored. The lines like minus three, but uh, the Falcons got something to prove. They're, they've got they've got got to get back to their Super Bowl. For people to shut up, they have got to get back to the Super Bowl. Can you imagine if there was a rematch? Of last year. Oh, boy. <laughs> that would be very interesting. Uh, my score prediction, I think Atlanta's going to win 27-17. to 17. I'm going to say Atlanta's going to win 24-6. to 6. I, wow. I, think, I think the Eagles have a really tough time scoring. Hmm. Just because just Atlanta has a really good defense. They're really underrated, and we kind of saw that um, against the against the Rams. Yeah. So I, And uh, a couple of matchups I wanted to note was Patrick Robinson of the Eagles versus Julio Jones, top corner versus top uh, top corner in the game versus top receiver in the game. So you know it's just again like big key to the game. Like can, is Julio Jones going to burn him? Yep. Uh, Lane Johnson, uh, the left the left or right tackle versus Vic Be- Vic Beasley, whatever sides he's on. And really, Vic Beasley and Adrian Claiborne are both going to be big the defensive ends, the the big pieces in the game for Atlanta. Like can they uh, if they can get pressure on Nick Foles early? I think that's going to be. I think the game's going to be over pretty fast. And then finally, Robert Alford versus Alshon Jeffrey, top corner for the Falcons versus 
the best receiver that the Eagles have. <laughs> so we'll see there. Um, but yeah, I've got I've got the Falcons in in a blowout for sure. Uh, guys, that game is Saturday uh, in Philly, three thirty-five p.m. kickoff on. Uh, I believe that's Fox. I think. It should be. It should be. Yeah, all right. All right, moving on to the next game, which is a Sunday game, the Saints in Minnesota. This is going to be a very exciting game to watch. These two teams played each other on uh, in week one, actually. And I forgot the final score, but I, I think the Vikings did pull off the win. In oh, game. it was like 29-17, I think. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds right. Um, 29-19. Yeah, that was close. <laughs> but, yeah, it should be a very That uh, game, although game. I think means absolutely nothing in terms of this game because – the Saints' defense is vastly improved since Week One and Two. Yep. Week One and Two, they gave up a, like over a thousand yards total between those two games. So, and like in that after that, like the four games following, they gave up like less than that. So it's like the Saints' defense is a, just a, this is a completely different team because mm-hmm. like the AP was still on the team then. Um, so it's like Kamara has really got his got to stretch his legs since then. So yeah. this is gonna be a very different game. But let's start with the quarterbacks. Um, Case Keenum. Great story. Listen to these numbers and tell me that he should, he's not an MVP candidate. 67% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 71.3 total KBR. Yep, and 3,547 yards. So tell me he's not an MVP candidate. I'm not saying he's not an MVP he, candidate. He's, he's a, he is, for sure. Um, Drew Brees, and then of course Drew Brees, 72% completion, completion percentage, 23 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, and a 61.1 QBR. Yep. Case Keenum had a higher QBR than Drew Brees, who set a completion record this year. <laughs> I'm still picking Drew Brees, though, just because it's it's Drew Brees, and you've never seen Keenum in a playoff um, that's a environment. Fair, that's a fair point. I mean, like, so, I'm... I know he's at home, but still. I'm, I'm picking Case Keenum for, for in terms of advantage here, because Case Keenum, he's not... There's no reason why he's not going to do the same thing he's been doing all season. Yeah. Like, like I've been... I've said it every single day... For the last like three weeks, the Vikings are not twelve and three without Case Keenum doing this. For sure, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like they, it's Sam Bradford. If Sam Bradford is playing quarterback, he would not play this well. I mean, he might complete a lot of passes. He's not playing as well. Mm-hmm. Like Teddy Bridgewater, oh, no, Teddy Bridgewater isn't in the cow. But I'm picking Case Keenum in terms of advantage of this game. It's that's nothing on Drew Brees. It's just the fact that Case Keenum was the better quarterback this year. Yeah, and like I understand, like obviously Drew Brees completed a lot more passes. But still, a lot of those passes were like screen passes and little slants to the running backs and dump offs to the running backs. So I'm not sure how much, like how many of those passes were like ten yards downfield. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And like that, I think that's an area Case Keenum really excelled in this year was his passes downfield. Yeah. So I'm giving it to Keenum. Good pick. Uh, go to the running backs here. Obviously, Ingram, Ingram, Ingram. We know how good Ingram Kamara are. Ingram had a thousand yard season, four point nine average, twelve touchdowns. Kamara seven hundred twenty eight. Uh, yards, six point one average, and eight touchdowns. Um, and then you know the the Vikings also have a solid duo. Um, it was a real shame when Dal- Dalvin Cook got hurt because he looked like he was going to do something special this year. Yep. Um, I think he, I think Dalvin Cook, if he had been healthy all year, would have won Rookie of the Year. Um, it's because he 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 looked great in his first four games. Um, I'm in over Kareem Hunt. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's because Cook just looks so consistent. Like he was doing yeah. it every game, and like. Um, I, I he looked great. So, but Murray, Latavius Murray stepped up in his absence. Eight hundred and forty-two yards this year. Eight touchdowns, just three point nine average. Listen, Jarek McKinnon, five hundred seventy yards, three point eight average, and three touchdowns. Yep, hundred percent Saints. Advantage. Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure. it's not. That's again, that's nothing on Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. Like they did great this year, and both of them were good in the passing game. But, but um, you know, it's just you can't go. Ingram and Kamara, which is such a dynamic duo. Yeah. 
the most interesting part of this game will probably be the passing game. Oh, for sure. So I mean, you talk about the Vikings, first of all. You got Adam Thielen, who had a career year, 91 catches for 1,276 yards. And, you know, he only had four touchdowns. Five drops, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's bad. Probably got a bad number of drops for a receiver. Probably 10 over. I don't know if that's... How many, how many drops did Amari Cooper have? So I think, quite a few. Because <laughs> like I think I think like Amari Cooper or like Mike Evans amount of drops would be bad. Julio Jones had seven drops. Really? Yes, sir. I mean Julio Jones also. This was an. This, I mean he had fourteen hundred yards this year, so it's kind of weird to say that this was an off year for Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. But he only had three touchdowns, and like I guess that's a good amount of drops for him. Well, he had that. I think he has like a knee injury or like a hamstring problem. Did he? I don't know. Like, Maybe for the second half of the year, I think, or foot. It's something I think. Did he? Was he on the injury report a lot? No, but. Well, I, I, just, I know he had some kind of uh, restraint. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's like, feel. I mean, five drops seems like okay, I guess for. Amari Cooper had five. Yeah, wow. and Amari Cooper drops. Let's drop more passes than anybody since he came into the league. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess, I guess it's middle of the road for Thielen if Julio drops seven. Yeah, but you know, Thielen, um, only four touchdowns. I found that a little interesting. You know, obviously he's great in the open field. He's their slot receiver, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, that's really interesting that your slot receiver is your best receiver. <laughs> Uh, and then you got Stefan Diggs, who was hurt for a little bit, but he had 64 catches for 849 yards and eight touchdowns. Yep. And then Kyle Rudolph, who had 57 catches for 532 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, big, probably the, probably Keenum's favorite uh, red zone target there. Oh, for sure. And then for the Saints, you got Michael Thomas, of course, 1,245 yards and five touchdowns. Good year for him. He only had two drops. That's interesting. Thomas had 1,245, and Thielen had 1,276. Hmm. And then Thomas had five touchdowns and Thielen had four. Yeah. So that's that's really interesting. And then, of course, his second receiver for the Saints is Kamara, 826 yards and five touchdowns. And then Ted Ginn Jr., who had a big, what was that, an 80-yard score in the first yeah. game? I think that was the first drive of the game for the Saints. It was. Uh, he had that 80-yard score in the first game, 787 yards this year and four touchdowns. Who are you giving the advantage to? Uh, Minnesota, just because Adam Thielen's had a career year. Stephon Diggs is amazing, and Kyle Rudolph is a great red zone threat. So I'm just giving it to them. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say the Saints have the advantage here. Um, obviously, I mean Michael Thomas is basically Adam Thielen, except he plays on the outside. Yeah, I think he had slightly better numbers than Adam Thielen. And then the, I think that obviously they 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 have better options in terms of like they have more they can do. Like they have Colby Flander, who's a solid tight end. Um, Al Kamara and Ingram both are great in the passing game. Like I think it's just because the fact that both of them are good in the passing game, and then all the Vikings have is Jerick McKinnon. Yeah. And then you've got Ted Ginn Jr., who we saw have a monster touchdown against the Panthers. Um, Coleman, something B. Coleman, I think I think his first name started with a B. He, Bradley, I think? No. I think Brandon. Probably. That sounds right. Um, yeah. he, was, he, he, was, he had a solid year all year. He's a rookie. So um, I'm giving it to the Saints. Nice. What about kicking? Kicking. Uh, for the Will Lutz, um, banged like a 58-yard field goal in the wild card game. Uh, he, he was 86% of his field goals this year and as long as 53, but that is obviously increased. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, and then um, Kyle, Kai Forbath isn't the greatest kicker in the world. Heck no. He only had 84% on his field goals this year and 87% on his extra points. So, um, and then he, his long is 53, so he's got the leg, but I'm definitely giving it to Will Lutz here just because oh, yeah. it's like Forbath misses extra points and that's that's not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're under 90% on your extra points, that's, that's not very good. For sure. Um, just... A lot of good matchups. A lot of fun matchups in this game. Xavier Rhodes, one of the top corners in the league, against Michael Thomas, should be a really fun one. And then, of course, on the, and then on the other side, Marshawn Lattimore versus Adam Thielen. That's a great matchup. That should be a really fun matchup. Heck yeah! And then Everson Griffin, the 
uh, defensive end for the Vikings, who had a really great year. I think he had up like 14 and a half sacks versus the rookie Ryan Ramchick on on the offensive line. That should be probably that's probably the most important matchup of the game because if Griffin can get to Drew Brees, it's really going to disrupt the, what the Saints want to do yep. on offense. So we'll see if uh, Ramchick can hold up for sure. And then finally, um, just the Saints offensive line versus the Minnesota running backs. Because if the Minnesota can run the ball effectively, then Case Keenum's going to f- throw wild. Mm-hmm. So for sure, Jeff, who, who are you picking in this game? I got Minnesota pulling out a very close one, uh, twenty-eight to twenty-seven. So very tight, very close, fun divisional matchup. They're at home. I just think they pull it out. You know, I I am I had a really hard time picking this game, um, but ultimately I think I'm going to go with Minnesota, just because I think I think it's going to come down to both teams have a really good defense. Um, the Saints have a, is pretty underrated. And the, obviously, the Vikings are the best defense in the NFC. Yep. But I think it's just going to come down to the fact that I think Case Keenum is going to play like an MVP this game. For sure. Like I, th- I think he's going to step up where people want it, where where they really need him, and I think he's finally going to get some. Tr- he's finally going to get the recognition that he deserves. People acknowledge the fact that he's he was good this year, but he, I'm telling you, man, he he is top three MVP easy. Oh, for like sure. he he defines what it means to be an like what it means to be a most valuable player to your team. Mm-hmm. Like this is what I was talking about yesterday with like the argument for Russell Westbrook compared to James Harden. Like, this is the argument, like, for Case Keenum over... Who, who is the leading candidate? Who who have, they, who have they been talking about? For MVP? Yeah. Todd Gurley. Is it been Gurley? Like, Probably. It, like, do you think the Rams play... Like, how do you think the Rams are without Todd Gurley compared to the Vikings without Case Keenum this year? I mean... Like, do you think the Vikings are the two seed without Case Keenum? Heck no. And then do you think, like... The Rams definitely don't have the best offense in the league without... Um, yeah, but do you think they're still a playoff team? Are the Vikings a playoff team without Case Keenum? No. Are the, the Rams a playoff team without Todd Gurley? Also, no, I think. Yeah. Well, so, hey, that's close, maybe. Because they got some good receivers. Yeah, and like, and Jared Goff played well this year. I mean, like, yeah. so, like, I, th- I think. But he probably wouldn't have played as well without Gurley running yeah. all over teams. It's true. That Again, that's true. But, like, again, like the, the Vikings, there's no way they're over 500 without Case Keenum playing like this. Yeah. And, like, the Rams, at least, I think, are better than 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah. Uh, the line for this game is only five points. What's your score prediction? I'm going to go 28-23 mm-hmm. Vikings. Heck, yeah. Close game. All right, guys, that game is uh, Sunday, uh, 3.40, kick, 3.40 p.m. Central kickoff. I, I think that's on CBS again. All right, well, that will wrap it up for our NFC. When we come back, we'll, have, we'll do our questions. I don't need to read the papers or the tea leaves to understand This world's been shaped all right, welcome back. Uh, before we start our Q&A, Andrew, you got some interesting news for us from the MLB. Josh Donaldson, to avoid arbitration, just signed a one-year, $23 million deal with the Blue Jays. That's ridiculous. That's an insane amount of money for one year. Like now they can't trade. There's no way they can trade him now. That's the like like especially so if they play bad. Yeah. They can't. There's no way they can trade him. That is insane. No one's gonna want to take twenty three million dollars for one year of Josh Donaldson. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, unless he's unless he does that MVP thing again. <laughs> I I said. I mean, you can you can ask Edward. All of you can go ask Edward. I was the first person to say Josh Donald like the Athletics just traded the MVP when they traded Josh Donaldson to the Blue Jays, and he won MVP next year. Nice call. So. Just like to point that out. <laughs> All right, guys. Now we'll get into our questions from uh, from you guys. Thank you so much for sending them. I got uh, three. I think you got a couple as I well. I have three. Yeah. Uh, awesome. I have one I want to use. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right well, well, I'll start with my f- first one. I guess okay. that I have. 
Uh, this comes from my dad. He sent us a couple last week, so thank you again for sending some. Uh, where do you think Jake Ariendo will end up? Oh, boy. His, his name's been linked to a few different teams. I've um, heard six. Well, I mean, I think I, I think uh, right now people are more asking about Darvish. Yeah. and Because like, he's got that mystery team, <laughs> which should be interesting. But I think Jake Arrieta, um, if he goes to a different team than the Cubs, it'll be, I think, the Phillies. Really? Because they've got the money to do it. They're on the on the rise, and they need that. They need that anchor in their rotation. They, I think they want they they signed Jake Arrieta to come in and do what he did. Now, it really sounds like his talks from with other teams are going nowhere. So I think more likely more likely than not, he's going to return to the Cubs. Yeah, I agree. And if he were to move, I could see him fitting well maybe with the Nationals or. Don't, oh God! Don't even talk. Don't even <laughs> say things like that. Why? Scherzer, Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez, and Jake Arrieta. They'd be out of this world. Well, and then they still would lose in the divisional series. <laughs> <laughs> Typical uh, Washington teams choking. Oh, oh my God! What is it about DC sports? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, um, Austin. What was your question? Uh, the favorite question that I got was about the Bulls. So of course I'm going to bring it up. Um, what do you expect out of Zach Levine's return on Saturday with the Bulls? And I'm really excited to see it because it's the main haul haul they got for Jimmy Butler. Yep. He's a big part of going forward, and we got to see how he's going to do. I heard from Hoiberg that, um, not personally, but <laughs> <laughs> that he's going to start off playing him about 20 minutes a game for the first three games and then reevaluate. And there's only one back-to-back from now until the All-Star break, oh, and he, he will be. not play that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think we're going to get a true picture of what Zach Levine's going to be until after the All-Star break when that he gets true. some game action under his belt once, once he's off his, his minute count. Once he once he's off his minute count, then we're gonna kind of get a better idea of it because you know like that the biggest thing with him when we tra- traded for him was like oh it's damaged goods it's because mm-hmm. he tore his ACL so it'll it'll be interesting to see Zach Levine's a crazy good athlete so and I'm really and like I don't think he's gonna be back in the dunk contest anytime soon but I expect him to be probably the same player that I think he's gonna step back and shoot a lot more oh yeah definitely so the I, thing that really excites me too is the fact that two months ago. He told the training staff that he felt 100% ready to go. And even at that time, too, he didn't have any injury. They're just really trying to take it safe. And Which, I mean, the less time you have with him, the more that helps the tanking process anyway. That's, yeah. that's, so, that's honestly the best thing the Bulls training staff could have done. Because, like, you know, it's like, we're rebuilding. Don't rush it. Mm-hmm. Be 110%. Heck yeah. And suddenly think... it is Zach Levine bobblehead day that day, too. So <laughs> they had to get him back to that. Uh, it gets the Pistons. Oh, okay. I might have to go to that game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think now that he is back, it, it now is the time to trade Nico? I, I think they should have traded all these people as soon as Nico came back. They, they need to trade Portis. They need to trade Miko. They need to trade, uh, what is his name, Robin Lopez. They need to trade Holiday. They need to trade everybody they can so they can lose as many games as possible. For Nico, they're waiting because they can't trade him until January 15th. Right. Since he just signed. What's the sure trade deadline in the NBA? Uh, February 8th, I believe. Awesome. Maybe we'll Coming get up. another All-Star game trade. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, Andrew? Um, this question comes to us from uh, our good friend Alex Garcia, who we were talking to last night. Who are your top ten receivers in the NFL? Um, this is in a particular order because I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. I didn't really do this based on their numbers this year. I did it based on, like, how talented they are and like just the amount of like how consistently they produce. Um, so my number one by far and away is DeAndre Hopkins. And that again, I'm not being biased. I say that every time 
this man can catch touchdown passes from and have 100-yard receiving games from anybody not named Brock Osweiler. <laughs> so it's, don't don't tell – I mean, Antonio Brown's my number two. I'm not disrespecting him. Antonio Brown needs Big Ben. And even with Big Ben, he has he had like a few games this year where he was under 50 receiving yards. And like when Big Ben got hurt, uh, was it last year or two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. He did nothing for like the eight weeks Big Ben was out. So Hopkins, Brown, then I got Julio Jones. Michael Thomas is my number four. Jarvis Landry is my number five. Jarvis Landry is another guy that's a freak athlete and can have touchdown, can catch touchdown passes and have 100 yards receiving games from bad quarterbacks. Like he's had Ryan Tannehill his whole career. He, he had Matt Moore for a lot of last year. He had Jay Cutler this year. So Jarvis Landry is a great receiver. Uh, number six, I had Odell. Number seven, Tyreek Hill. Number eight, A.J. Green. Number nine, Jordy Nelson. And number 10, I had Larry Fitzgerald. Um, a few years ago, I'd have Larry a little higher on this list. It's just because he, he's, he's a little older. Yep. But, I mean, he's still a great season this year. He's still Larry Fitzgerald. So that's that's my top 10. All right, yeah, I just made my list really quick. This is a no order whatsoever. But I have Cooper Cup, great season oh for him. Oh, my God. Got to like <laughs> Cooper Cup, man. Uh, that was the number one. He's not a top <laughs> 10 because you like him so much. Well, he's also really good, so he had a great year. It's just because, okay, you know what? he's on there because he lives with his quarterback. That's that's why he's on there. I'll, ju- I'll justify it for you. Yeah. Uh, Adam Thielen, number two, we talked about him earlier. Uh, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I wrote Jones twice. Crap. AB. Is there a different kind of Jones? Marvin Jones, you mean? Well, I don't know if he's We'll, say, we'll say it's Marvin Jones. Yeah, we'll just say uh, AB, uh, AJ Green, Thomas, uh, Robbie Anderson. He had a great year. So I think he was deserves to be top 10 this year. And Tyreek Hill. So. All right. Sorry for the sloppy list, but. <laughs> Cooper Cup. Yeah, number one. I'm joking. He wouldn't be my number one. But what's your next question? <laughs> uh, who is a sleeper team to look out for in the NBA this season? For me, it's Detroit. I think because they've done so well this year, and I think they did really bad last year. They they got off to a hot start this year, and then the Cavs kind of overtook them. Yeah. Um. But no, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got a couple of Marquette alums. They got a, my boy Dwight Bikes and uh, Henry Ellenson. We got Marquette Stave in every podcast. I I will make that my goal, yes. By the way, huge game tonight for Marquette. Yes, they're at Butler, and they just destroyed Seton Hall at home. So Sorry to go off topic, but... Big week. No, don't ever do that again, or I'll talk about it for five minutes. (laughs) Austin, who's your sleeper team? This is right up your alley. Yeah, it is. I mean, at this point, it's really not a sleeper, but they still don't get much credit, is the Toronto Raptors, because, like, they've been playing really well. And, like, I think people know that they're going to be one of the top teams. I think they're a sleeper to actually make it to the conference finals <laughs> and possibly even give some trouble to the Celtics or the Cavs over they're facing. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my sleeper team to the Magic because I know they got off really? to a hot start this year. I'm not sure if they're still... Um, they've uh, actually gone terribly now. Oh, okay. But, see, but I, Typical. I think they've got the pieces to be yeah. a really good team. Like, they've got um, Peyton, mm-hmm. or Alfred, Alfred Peyton. Peyton. He's a great player. His hair's stupid, though. <laughs> I hate that hair. The Cameron um, Payne hairstyle. Aaron Gordon's obviously a great player. Uh, who they, who was their draft pick? Was it Luke Kennard? I can't remember. Or did he, where did he go? I cannot remember. Because I, I think their their first I know their first round draft pick I think is having a good year. Oh wait no, Kennard was on the Pistons. Kennard went to the Pistons. Cause I remember I was watching Dwight Bikes highlights <laughs> and uh, they they were talking about Kennard. <laughs> Do you think the Bucks are a sleeper team? No, I, th- I think people kind of recognize that Giannis is amazing. That yeah. um, what's his name? Mal- Malcolm Brogdon's a good young player. Uh, they got Bledsoe too, Thonmaker, 
who uh, was their number 10 overall pick a few years ago. Great player. Another uh, X factor, too, though, is that Jabari Parker's coming back. In oh, yeah. I forgot about him. So he'll be back before the playoffs. And they also just cleared up some cap space. They uh, they released uh, DeAndre Liggins, so they have an extra roster spot right now. So maybe there's a big trade coming for them. That'd be awesome. You, yeah. want, you want to know who was on the Bucks for a really long time? It makes me laugh. Oh, Jay Mayo. <laughs> oh, yeah. His brother was on Marquette, Todd Mayo, and like he got suspended like twice a year. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I think OJ Mayo is isn't he banned for like next year or something or something. Yeah, like two years. Oh god, the Mayo brothers got problems. <laughs> nice um, question for you, Andrew. My question was, which team in college basketball is a giant killer this year? Well, I don't watch college basketball, but can I just say Villanova? No, because they're a giant. Oh, a giant! <laughs> oh, a giant killer! Yes, it's like which which team which team is best equipped to take down like Villanova, Michigan State, Duke? Which team? Which teams are like that? I have no idea. I don't watch college. I just watch Marquette. So. so you can take the words out of his mouth. I could say, say you, Should I just say Marquette? I'll you say Marquette. You know it's gonna yeah. be Marquette. I'll, I'll you say Marquette. Then. You want to know why? Marquette is dropping eighty three points a game, which is better than they were last year, and they were number twenty in the nation last year. All right. Andrew Rousey, senior guard, averaging 24 a game. Marcus Howard, uh, sophomore guard, who is 18 years old. He got into Marquette, Marquette University at 17 years old because he's a great kid. He's averaging 10, 22 a game. He just dropped 37 on Nova. Rousey dropped like 31 on Seton Hall the other night. T- number three scoring duo in the nation. You want to shut them down? That's fine. Sam Hauser, the power forward, will drop some threes because he can shoot from anywhere. By Didn't he have, like, the first 11 points in the game? That was Rousey. Yeah. Against Seton Hall. Uh-huh. Um, we're getting his jo- Joey Hauser, his brother, too, next year. <laughs> like, Mar- Marquette can score from anywhere, and they've got a bunch of really young freshmen who are just animals on defense, and all of them except Theo John can shoot. But Theo John is literally built like a truck and, like, emphatically has, like, three blocks a game. Yeah. So, uh, Mar- less- Marquette is definitely a giant killer. Um... But if I'm I'm gonna be I'm, I mean I, I can talk about them for hours, but um, if I had to pick a giant killer, um, Ohio State I put in there. Like obviously they just took down Michigan State, but I think they're underrated this year. Like they, I think they've been quiet ever since they lost Aaron Kraft. Um, Texas just took down TCU. Uh, the big really anybody in the Big Twelve can be a giant killer. The the conference is really good top to bottom. And like they they could honestly get. Eight teams in the tournament. Yeah. Um, well, lesson learned. Anytime yeah. I get asked a college basketball question, I'll just answer Marquette. Correct. So. Unless, unless it's about bad teams, then we then we answer. Oh, then I'll still answer Marquette. And then I'll answer Marquette. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> uh, Jeff, what was your next question? Um, who are your top five favorite centers in the NHL? I know you probably don't you, know. Five, you can answer but... first. I'll I'll come up. I'll come up with. I'll come up with an answer. Uh, I just said uh, Taves because obviously I'm a biased Hawks fan. Crosby, Tavares, uh, Patrice Bergeron, and Ryan Getzlaff. I'm sorry, you said you liked Cindy Crosby and Ryan Getzlaff. Well, the top five centers. Like, are you just talking about? Oh, I thought you said favorite. No, top five. Did I say favorite? I'm sorry. You said favorite. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, can I just say my favorites? All right, is it just gonna be like Taves and Schmaltz? And no, 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 no. It's definitely Taves. Obviously. Yeah. I love John Tavares. Heck yeah. I like Nicholas Backstrom. Really? Yeah. I think he gets overshadowed by Ovech. Of course, say. but like I, I like him a lot. I yeah. like Stamkos a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I like... Is Max Pacioretty center? He, he plays center and wing, so I guess... I like him out. a lot, too. Um, 
You might get I, traded though. Is G- I like Sagan or Ben? Are they a center? Sagan's the the center. I like because I like both those players. So. He's, he's funny. Yeah, there's a few players. There's a few players I like. So <laughs> awesome. I, I don't. I, I can't. I can't. I, if I I don't have the saber metrics. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then finally, this comes to me from Edward because we were arguing about this for an hour the other day. Great. What should the White Sox give up if they trade for Christian Yelich? Again, like this is like this is more of you, and because you you're Look, the trade talk uh, here, guy. Here, so. here is the gist of what Edward and I were discussing. It, it was can we get away with not trading our top hundred prospects? Um, and like until the ranking new rankings come out for this year, we have six six of them. Obviously, the top three being Eloy Jimenez, Michael Kopech, and Luis Robert. And Rick Hahn has stated multiple times that these people are untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, that leaves us with. Blake Rutherford, outfield prospect we got from the Yankees in the Todd Frazier, Tommy Canley, and David Robertson trade. Yep. Dylan Cease, who we got in the Jose Quintana trade to the Cubs, and Alec Hansen, who we actually drafted. Mm-hmm. So, if we were going to trade for Christian Yelich, we would probably have to include at least two of those guys. Preferably, I'd give up Blake Rutherford and Dylan Cease, as they're the two higher prospects, and Alec Hansen's going to be an absolute stud one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, hopefully, like the Marlins kind of see that. Oh, Cease is about thirty prospects higher than Hanson right now. He's got better value, and Cease is a you know a big uh, hardball throw and uh, fireball fastballer, and could probably be a middle of the rotation kind of guy. Think about the White Sox; they have so many pitching prospects that like Cease doesn't have a place other than the bullpen, and I don't mind trading him. So I'd trade Cease and Rutherford from our top hundred prospects. I'd give them a young major leaguer um, with it, either like Tim Anderson. Or um, Avi. No, he's not really young anymore. He's been well. Yeah, I, 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 really I'd include Avi. him though. I wouldn't. Tr- I would. Tr- I'd give him Tim Anderson or Lucas Giolito, mm-hmm. preferably Tim Anderson. I really like Giolito, and I don't want to trade him. So I'm gonna say um, Anderson uh, because like they need a shortstop big time. Yeah. Like their shortstops like J T. Riddle or something. They're they're hurting up the middle. And then finally, I'd include um, another piece like Zach Collins. Um, so they have their catch of the future, and then hopefully maybe try to get GT Ramuto back from them, and then because we have Wellington Castillo and he can he's still pretty young, he can last us a long time. Yep. And we have uh, Evan Skoog, um, who's in our top thirty prospects we drafted this past year. Who's going to be he's a really refined hitter and uh, is going to be a great player one day. So we can afford trading Collins if we were going to go get a guy like Christian Yelich. Um, and then from the Marlins, of course, we'd get Yelich, and then we'd take on a couple of their really bad contracts that they have, so they can clear more payroll, like Martin Prado. And uh, Brad Ziegler and Ziegler, who we can put in the bullpen and be, be uh, our closer for the year, yeah. which would uh, improve the bullpen and help with that trade. So yeah, uh, Rutherford, Cease, Tim Anderson, and what did I say? Zach Collins for Christian Yelich, Martin Prado, and Brad Ziegler. Good trade. Uh, good news for White Sox fans. Mickey Gonzalez is back. Heck I yeah. love him. He, yeah. he was a beast last year. He ate up innings like it was like it was groceries. He ate the innings like groceries. <laughs> um, White Sox rotation is rounded out now that uh, we know Carlos Rodon isn't going to open the year healthy. Um, so it's probably going to be James Shields on opening day, followed by Miguel Gonzalez, Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and most likely Carson Fulmer. So this is a big year for Carson Fulmer because yeah. he he was kind of that he was the first like pitching prospect that we that we drafted outside of um, Rodon because mm-hmm. Rodon kind of jumped straight to the league and he's a great pitcher but he's had a lot of injury problems and I think this is this is this first half of the season is going to be Carson Fulmer proving if he's like can be in the rotation because he's had a few starts 
but he's been uh, he's been kind of bad. But he had two really good ones at the end of the year, so I'm excited for this year. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you guys so much for sending in those questions. Uh, every Friday we do this, and don't forget to send us your questions. You could tweet it to us or email us to didittsportspod uh, at, at gmail dot com. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, big thanks to our musical intro man this week, Mr. Slade Cleaves. Uh, check out his new album, Ghost on the Car Radio. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. He, uh, he sounds great. Check him out. Thank you so much for listening again, guys. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It helps us out so much. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll be back on Monday. Take care. Deuces. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Talk Podcast. Join the Didit community on Twitter at DidItPods. If you'd like to have your music featured on a future episode of the Sports Talk Podcast, email your song to you, didditsportspod at gmail.com. I rode 10,000 miles on a carousel horse of wood. We all end up where we started, get right back on if we could. So go ahead and make your confession to a washed up whiskey priest. Slouching beast Cause I don't need to read the papers Or the tea leaves to understand That this world's been shaped By a drunken barber's hand I don't need to read the papers To know the heart of man This world's been shaped By a drunken barber's